Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris together again for the first time in Johnny. What is it, over two weeks? We haven't done a show wow. in over two weeks together. All right. So well, it's been a while. Well, we did. Whoa, what's today? Today's, Today's Friday. Friday. Yeah. So it was last Thursday. Yeah, but it was with McLean. Was so, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. But just you and me. Bantered right back and forth for the whole hour. We haven't had one of these since I don't know because I left Ooh. town a couple of weeks ago, and then yep. I came back, and then I left right away again to the uh, Massachusetts uh, trip to the old country, as I called it, with John McClain last night. And uh, and I'm back. You're back from uh, going out west, so yeah. we went in different directions, and now we're back here. And look, I know camp doesn't start for about four weeks, but I feel it. I think everybody feels it coming. You can feel the rumbling <laughs> under the soil yeah. as we yeah. go. And there are numerous things I want to get to tonight, but uh, it's good to see you, my friend. It's good to be with you yeah. on the air once again. I mean, I, I it's great to be back from Boston, which, I mean, I've never met a bunch of more spoiled brats in my life sports-wise. <laughs> Just totally spoiled little sports children. You know, you know yeah. I talk about sports hate. This is spoiled sports fans, totally spoiled. In the last 20 years, you have Patriots six Super Bowls. You have Red Sox four World Series. You have Bruins championship and Celtics championship. That's 12 among the four major sports there. I don't know what the revolution's done, if you want to throw them into the mix as a fifth over there. But the two big ones, baseball and football, you got 10. It's ridiculous. And I was trying to explain to Vanderkid, that when I lived there 25, 30 years ago, the Red Sox were going through Curse of the Bambinos still. The Patriots hadn't yep. done anything. I mean, they went to a Super Bowl or two, but they lost those. And it was always this massive struggle. And now look at them. So you never know what can happen to a sports city. But they're so spoiled, Johnny. They're like, I don't know if Belichick's going to be the guy because, look, he, he's got to decide on the starting quarterback. I'm thinking, <laughs> really? Really? You're going to doubt Belichick because he hasn't named a starter yet for sure because he's not going to Mac Jones. He's got Cam. What's he going to do? Uh, that's why they got Hoya. Hoya is going to help out. So it's oh, kind of no. funny to hear them uh, debate all that up there. I could imagine. It's funny. I was, I went the other way. I, I drove, I drove out West. So I ended up out in LA and then I flew back last night. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because I'm walking through the airport and I've always kind of thought about West coast fans fans out there just very kind of fair weather like that yeah, you know they're kind of they'll take whatever's hot and as i was walking past one of the i think it's called hudson news kind of one of the the little oh, yeah. shops you go into and out front they had la dodgers shirts and they had la clippers shirts and i was like that is not a clippers town nope but they're jumping all over it and the fact was that the very or the, the day before they got beat in LA at the Staples Center and the Suns knocked them out. And I actually saw a few Suns fans actually at the airport and they were just high on life, so man. Happy. So they were happy. so they were so happy. But I was like, that kiosk that last year would have been Dodgers and Lakers, and the Clippers t-shirts would have been over in the corner, you know, tucked away. And so I kind of walked around and I did find they had a little little bit of a Lakers section. I looked down in this little uh, kind of uh, shelving and there was like one little small, maybe like, you know, two foot by one foot box, whatever, not really big and it had a couple angels hats in it. 
And that was it. That was it. It was like yeah. Dodgers, big Clippers, because they were winning. They did have some Lakers stuff. And then the Angels were kind of tucked away. You wouldn't even seen them. If you didn't turn around to look at that little shovel, you would have never saw them. They were not in view. And I was like, hmm, I guess that tells you something about how they feel about the Angels out here. But uh, it was good. It was good to be in L.A. I, I, I actually like going out to L.A. I, I wish I would have stayed longer, but my daughter and wife are going to get the full – they're going to get the full Monty, if you will, out in California because they're going to be out there for a month. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens after a month and where they are. But, man, uh, it's, it's an interesting place, to say the least. And on the complete opposite end, geographically, but also from a sports perspective, too. Right. I mean, sports talk, eh, whatever. Eh. But look, the, the Dodgers are huge out west, clearly. It's just L.A. is a different kind of sports town. And I'm reminded of, you know, having these two teams in Los Angeles now. We've talked for years before they got there, before yep. football got back to L.A., about how that piece on the chessboard, that square had to remain open as a bargaining chip, as leverage for people trying to get better stadiums in their home markets. And it almost worked in St. Louis. They actually had some kind of deal ready to go, but Kroenke clearly wanted the Rams back in L.A., Johnny, I think the jury's still out on how successful this is going to be. We still haven't had a full season in the new stadium with fan yeah. potential here because of COVID last year. But yeah. give it three, four years. If the Rams aren't as successful as the locals want them to be, how is it going to be? Are they going to draw as well as they think they can? I don't think so. I think it's been proven in that market. Look, they all of a sudden become the second largest city in America. They've been the second largest city in America, America for, for quite some time. And they were when the Rams were there before, when they were having trouble drawing. I know they had to move out to Anaheim and everything, but it still remains to be seen. They've got to prove it that they can be viable there for the long term and when they're struggling, when they're not quite as good as they can be. And obviously they're projected to be very good this year with Stafford. Yeah, I'm with you. And I happen to we when we flew out there the last couple of times and we had preseason game in 18. Right. We had the game with them in 17. I don't know if they had broken ground, but I think they had broken ground. But I was out there 17, 18, 19, game in 17, preseason game in 18. And then I went out there in 2019. Uh, my daughter and I went out there and we were out there for four or five days. And so when you fly into LAX, you can see it. Yep. And I remember seeing it in 19. And I turned to my daughter and said, whoa, look at that. And she goes, that looks big. And I said, yeah. Well, I could see it driving in. And I'm like, that is enormous. Yeah, yeah. It's enormous. I, I don't know what all is there, but Mark, my goodness. It's going to be amazing. Putting the, it's going to be incredible. I don't know what all they're going to be able to do, but if they can't generate revenue from that situation, then something's wrong. But I happen to think about the Rams as I was driving – because there's a point in which, and I went a little different way. I didn't stay on I-10. I kind of went I-8 to kind of dip down to San Diego. My first time in San Diego, it's pretty cool. I didn't stay too long, though. But anyway, on my way, I'm driving through one of the areas, and I look over. And you know how you see those yellow signs, and they say, you know, deer, like deer crossing. And you see a little, sure. you know, deer. And some others, you might see, you know, other things. I got to some place, and all of a sudden, I look, and I'm, I'm like, that's not a deer. What is that on that sign? Oh, that's a ram. They had a picture of a ram. <laughs> I thought well, the last thing I need to be is to be stopped on the side of the road and some ram comes out of nowhere and just, you know, headbutts my yeah. car. I was like, no, nah, I don't need that. I'm, 
I, I, I'm good. I don't need to see Aaron Donald till the season. I'm good. But that was the first time. That was the first for me. I had never seen anything like that. But, man, SoFi Stadium is just enormous. I felt like – and I saw it. It wasn't, like, right next to the road. But I could see it in a distance. And I just feel like – I felt like I was driving forever. And I could, I could continue to see it. So I can only imagine what that place is going to look like. And I can't wait till we get, a, get to go out there and play a game finally out there at some point. Yeah, I mean, we've seen our little Southern California experience unfold in a very interesting way with two trips to the Coliseum, the regular season matchup, yep. the preseason matchup, when they were remodeling the joint, and it was just kind of odd to be there. And we were broadcasting out of a kind of a mobile home up there in the stands that they <laughs> wedged in there for that season oh. only. And then we go to the soccer stadium to do the Chargers, which is still yep. the hottest game I've ever done as far as heat in the booth, where it matters to me most because <laughs> if it's hot on the field and I have air conditioning, hey, I'm fine, right? But in the booth that day, I was literally there. The ice bin, it's so funny. I tell stories about Chicago and zero degrees. I had the ice bin. This is the Chargers in, what is it, Carson City with that soccer yeah, stadium? Carson, yeah. They have a, an ice bin with soda in it. I'm just taking the water, the ice between breaks, taking my headset off and just throwing it on my head and my hair and yeah. just cooling off. It was that hot in there. And yeah. we survived it. Obviously, Texans won the game. When you're winning, it makes it so much easier, so much better. And I'm eager to go to that new stadium. I think the Raiders in Vegas will do better business-wise than the yeah. Rams and especially the Chargers. Never mind that because they're the stepson really in that building. Not to, you know, downgrade stepsons and their clout yeah. but they are just not the main tenant in that stadium and i think that the raiders have a great situation because who's not going to want to travel to vegas to see your yep. team play so the opponent can sell a ton of tickets for the raiders who are kind of a national brand anyway and they can uh, do fine in vegas so that's going to be interesting all right another thing i wanted to get to right off the bat here and it's a, an around-the-league sort of topic. And speaking of the Rams, we all know Kurt Warner won an MVP. Did he win two? He won a Super Bowl and lost another Super Bowl for the Rams in St. Louis, right? And there's a movie coming out in December about Kurt Warner's life. So I wanted to ask you not only what you thought of that, but what you think of Texans and movies made about them. Now, bear with me here because I think with the Texans, we have some things going on in progress right now that are a little bit more like a Netflix series than an actual feature film, okay? As far as uh, things going on off the field uh, in certain situations, that's all I'll say about that. But yeah. I believe that uh, we have some individuals throughout the history of the franchise that would make for interesting film fodder. And I've got some ideas here. Uh, but I wanted to get your take, first of all, on the Warner film and thoughts in general about that, because maybe we don't see enough movies made of modern era football players. Well, Kurt Warner did win it twice. He won it in that um, the first year they won the Super Bowl 99 and then he won it a second time in 01. So two time MVP. Yeah, two time MVP goes to the Hall of Fame. I think his story is tailor made for a movie. Taylor made for a movie. Not to mention, because you think about a movie. I mean, it's great if you have the story of just football and how and how he, I mean, stocking shelves at the Hy-Vee in Iowa. 
um, you know, as a bagger, I mean, doing every, you know, doing that and then going and throw that night just to try and find a chance. And he gets a chance in the arena league and then he goes to the world league. And then he's with the Rams. People don't realize he was with the Rams for a year before actually two yeah, a year in 1998, he had already been there for a year with the Rams. And it was in 99 when he got the opportunity because they brought over Trent green and Mike March and the rest is history, but his football story is amazing. Yeah, but on top of that, the, the flip side is whatever may, what makes a great movie is do you have a relationship of some sort? You know, remember the Titans was great. The story was great integrating that team. But then you had um, you had two individuals that kind of had, you know, from different schools, mm-hmm. different parts of town that had to kind of come together. They became great yeah. friends, uh, kind of broke. the. So you have a relationship. His relationship with his wife, Brenda, goes to is is amazing part of the story that's really never told yep she told it on this football life and she had a special needs son when when he approached her about a date and she told him straight out like hey look here's the deal and if you're going to be in my life then you know so run now if you're going to and he's like nope not going to he embraced he embraced her son embraced her and that was a massive massive part of the story so i think Kurt Warner of anybody has got as good a movie story as you could tell. And all you have to do is just tell, just tell the story. It'll, right. it'll be enough to sell the film. I mean, true. I think it's fantastic. I think it's really, really cool. Dennis Quaid is going to play Dick Vermeil. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yeah, look, that's good. I like that. I like he that. Played, he's played, uh, geez, what's the name of the coach of, of Syracuse in the, um, in the express oh, uh, Schwartzwalder. Yeah, he played him too, obviously. Look, this could have Quaid passing Kevin Costner for more sports film roles, right? Costner's got a bunch. Yeah. Costner's yeah, got Draft Day, Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, For Love of the Game. What else am I missing? Quaid has The Express, this one, The mm-hmm. Rookie. I'm missing another one or two. Wow, I mean, yeah. They, they both have done more than anybody else, I think. They're, and it's a great little debate, you know, if you just want to talk movie stuff. But I like Warner's story because I don't know how they'll handle it in the film, but with the arc of, okay, MVP wins the Super Bowl, and that happens relatively quickly once he joins the NFL, right? And then he goes yeah. back to another one. They lose to the Patriots. But then his career hits the rocks, right? It doesn't yeah. go so well. The New York Giants, Eli comes in, takes over. He ends up in Arizona. He's basically backing up Leinart, right? But then he gets thrust into the lineup, and they end up going to the Super Bowl. I think that's how the movie has to end, where they win the NFC Championship game, and they go to the Super Bowl. And then losing the Super Bowl is kind of like, you know, it's like Rocky losing the fight in the Rocky movie where he's really old, and he fights yeah. the guy, but he loses. <laughs> but, yeah, it's all right. Whatever. Yeah. You know, you, you fought. It's okay. And that resurrects uh, Warner's career. Maybe it's him getting the call for the Hall of Fame or whatever. But you're right. The personal life is going to play out. For Texans, I thought, now, look, without embellishing the story, and I don't know everything about these guys' personal lives, but I thought one player really stood out just from a sheer sports story standpoint would be TJ Yates. And I just think that when we look at all the guys who have played for the Texans, and we always talk about him as the folk hero, you know, him being thrust into the lineup in 2011 and being able to win in the postseason, but then his career hits a rough spot. You know, he's here for 12, he's here for 13, 
But then where is he? 15, he rejoins the team. And, you know, Monday Night Football victory beats the Jets. And yeah. I don't know if we have to go to 2017, but there's a way you could work that out uh, in a film sort of sense. Maybe Arian would be another one because he's very interesting. And you think about being undrafted, you think about where his career was at the University of Tennessee, all that potential, and eventually wins the rushing title. I don't know. Uh, he's done a lot of acting himself, actually. And now he's trying to find some success. And I think he is actually as a podcaster and as a musician, as a, uh, I don't want to call him a rapper. He's, he's more than that, really. No, uh, not that really there's good. anything wrong with being a rapper, but uh, he's done more than that. I, I'm going to call him a musician, music, musical I think, artist. I think, uh, and interesting because I passed through Arizona the other day. So luckily I didn't go through Phoenix because I would have wanted to see DeAndre and the guy that I think you could do one on actually even before he gets to the Texans. And that's JJ. If you think about JJ going yeah. to central Michigan and then saying, you know what? Mm, I think I can do better than this. I'm going to go back to the university of Wisconsin. I'll pay my way by selling pizzas. He's the pizza guy. He does all that. And he turns himself into an all American. I think that, I think that would be a whale of a story. I'll give you another one that may be off the beaten path, but if you, if you, Know the background of Lonnie Johnson and where Lonnie came from. Oh, yeah. I think you could put together one heck of a movie based on Lonnie. Gary, Indiana, one of the more violent areas of the entire country. How he's grown up, going through high school, going through his junior college odyssey, not playing a year even while he was in junior college to get to Kentucky, then playing a couple of years at Kentucky, then being a draft pick to come to Texas. I think Lonnie would make for one heck of a movie. Just everything that he's been through and where he grew up, that might be – that would be another one that I would think I could you could throw in there for Lonnie Johnson. It could make pretty right. interesting viewing. Just making it to the NFL. I'll yes. give you another one. Uh, Jacoby Jones – but it wouldn't end here, which is unfortunate for us because he goes to Baltimore and obviously they win the Super Bowl. He could have been MVP of that game. Uh, but he was he was not six two going into college, right? He went to Lane College. He was he was under six feet and he shot up in college and with the speed and the athletic ability and everything, and he worked at it, got the tryout, got drafted. And the rest is history. Look, you'd have to change a few things around for his story <laughs> to make it yeah. to the big screen. Uh, yeah. But here's another one. I mean, David Quisenberry, who doesn't end up with the Texans. Oh, man, to the yes. Because year yes. after year, like, how long is this going to take? I got to admit, you know, without knowing all the details of his recovery, there were times when I thought, is this working? You know, is this going to yeah. work? Is Never mind, is he going to be able to play football? But is is he going to recover? Are they going to really yeah. get this? Because yes. it did take such a long time. And then he went back in, I think, right? He, he was out and he was back in treatment. And you thought, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Again, I'm not you know, related and, and I'm not in the family. And I didn't know all the information. But he was, he was around Texans campus for a long time. And then, look, a big moment in that film would be him coming out of the tunnel against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Christmas Day. I mean, who cares what the record is for that moment? Because that's oh. such a huge part of his life. And now he's starting sometimes for the Tennessee Titans. I don't know how it's going to play out this year. How about they have Kendall lamb and they have David Quisenberry and people are talking about lamb as look a depth guy, but you never know. And things like that. I'm thinking really that's, 
that's phenomenal for Kendall, who we really like. We've interviewed him a few times. We remember he was a former PR intern and all of that. Not here, but in college. <laughs> yeah. But good for him. Good for him for finding a spot there. I mean, I like our own line now, believe me, because I think there's a lot of potential here, a lot of uh, depth. Yeah. I mean, more than potential. There's a lot of talent here, so we'll see how that works out. But it's well, interesting we played, to talk about these guys. And we played the Titans in Week 17. thought it was interesting because most of the time when we – I mean – every other year except last year down on the sidelines you see guys and such well being up in the stands you know i'm just kind of standing there watching and i happened to kind of i was straight down from you guys so i was on the side in which the titans were were warming up and they were kind of coming out and getting excited and slapping high fives and they kind of split up their stretching line and number 72 comes walking kind of towards my direction and i just am kind of like watching him thinking man, how far has that guy come? And he just looks over at me and he just kind of puts his hands up, waves at me, you know, kind of, you know, salute kind of thing to me. And I was just like, you know, I love that dude. It wasn't just because of that, but it was just, I think his time in Houston kind of resonated with him, the people he met, the people that were so supportive of him. I think he remembers all of that, took that all to heart. And it was just, it was just really cool. And I hated it because I was like, man, now I got to root for you to just have a bad day. And he did. He's been to, – to do what he's done and to continue to be around from the 2013 draft, it's just absolutely amazing. Absolutely it, amazing. It is amazing. And that coaching staff fell in love with him instantly. And then the O'Brien coaching staff takes over the next year, and they fall in love with him instantly. And that's when it happened, right, in 14. Yeah. That's when the diagnosis was – and the rest is history, as we say. So there are a few Texans that would make a good cinematography material. So you never know what happens in the future. But I just thought it was interesting to talk about with the Kurt Warner movie coming out in December. Looking forward to seeing that. All right. Looking forward to this as well, Johnny, because coming up last night, by the way, I kind of cheated on you. We had Who's Better with John McClain doing the who's betters yeah sorry and we use some of the questions that i've asked you before like vintage quarterbacks and everything his answers are very short he's like i like Tasman better better quarterback next you know like oh my gosh (laughs) john you're killing me over here anyway tonight we're gonna play more likely to happen and it's next here on texans radio welcome to texans all access we are brought to you in part by apache corporation Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now, here's the show. All right, Texans. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you tonight as we talk about things that are more likely to happen. We do this on Thursdays very often, but, hey, it's summer. and The days are all mixed up, and what the heck, right? Fourth of July (laughs) weekend. Let's go. By the way, we will have a show on Monday for everybody. A lot of you have the day off, and that's good. And a lot of you work on the holidays, and that's good, too. You know, Johnny Vanderkid is a lifeguard. He's a 15-year-old lifeguard. How about that? I'm really hoping no one needs his services. Uh, and I'm honest about that in many different ways. But he's 15 years old, a lifeguard, and he's working on the 4th of July. It's good. It's good that people learn that 
you know, that has to be done from time to time. Are you ready does to he go? get time and a half? Does he get time and a half for that? He's going to get extra. I don't know if it's time and a half. Wow. I hope it is, but it is, it's not a very lucrative endeavor, but it's really great on the resume. I think being a lifeguard, like I mean, a resume, I was a lifeguard. You know, I, I know CPR. I can save lives yeah. here in this business, whatever it is. You know, <laughs> if you're working in an office, if someone is drowning by the water cooler, I got this. All right, let's yeah. do this. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. First one here, more likely in training camp. By the way, this is the semi-training camp edition. More likely to get the second-team quarterback reps. Would it be Davis Mills or one young Mr. Driscoll? What are you thinking? I think this is Davis Mills. I just have a feeling that as, as time goes on, it's going to be Davis Mills. I don't know if there's anything in particular. I saw at OTAs. And by the way, did you see that Urban Meyer already got the Jaguars in trouble? (laughs) I don't know what he did. I don't know what they did. But the Cowboys, the Jags, and the 49ers got in trouble for what they had done during their OTAs. Ah. So they got their wrist slapped. So Urban Meyer now has hired a strength coach that got fired at Iowa that within 36 hours of his hiring and the announcement, they had to run him out. And now he's gotten in trouble for this. So anyhow, I thought it was pretty interesting. I was listening to Landry and John today as I tried to get my bearings back in Houston. And they were talking about Urban Meyer and can you cheat to win in the NFL? And I thought, um, not the way that probably was done in college football before, but that's a different story altogether. Sure. So no, I'll, I'll, I'll I thought it was interesting, though, they got their uh, their hands slapped. I just think it's Davis Mills. I think that maybe not right away, but I think within the first couple weeks, I, I could see a scenario where preseason game at Green Bay, Driscoll gets the second team reps. Davis Mills looks good getting the third team reps, but he gets the whole second half. You know, maybe Driscoll gets the second quarter or, you know, back into the first, second. Mills gets the entire second half. He looks good. He does some things. Coaches are now intrigued. They want to see him get some second team reps. And then that's where it happens. Okay. That's where Davis is like, okay, I'll, I'll get the second team reps from now on. And he takes it all the way through preseason. That's, I'm going with Davis Mills. I, you know, it, you know Jeremy Branham and Brandon Scott had a really interesting conversation about it this morning. And John and Landry were talking about it too, talking about Davis Mills and the impact and all that. I don't think there's any there's any rush in moving Davis Mills along. I just think it naturally will happen because I think his talent will start to shine as he gets in this system, as he gets out there in preseason games, and he starts slinging around a little bit. I think there will be this thought that, hey, we'd like to see him with the twos a little bit more. Okay, let's give him week two of the preseason. At Dallas, let's see how he does with the twos in that situation and go from there. So I think it'll eventually be Davis Mills. I think right off the bat, it'll be Jeff Driscoll, but it'll be Davis Mills in due time. All right. I should have rephrased it or phrased it differently because I guess what you're saying is when camp begins, it's more likely that Driscoll is the two and Mills is the three, but Mills moves up during camp. Okay. Yes. Wanted to be clear on that. All right. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. Marcus Cannon at tackle, Marcus Cannon at guard. To start things out, we're in the first week of camp. We're watching the O-line operate. Where is he, Johnny? 
Man. Well, the first thing I hope is he's not rehabbing. That's the, that's one yeah. thing I hope. Yeah, all right. I hope option Fair C enough. is, um, you know, having gone through. Now, he went through a, a knee scope, operation, whatever, however you want to look at it. All indications are that he's going to be ready to go for training camp. So, assuming that he will be ready for training yeah. camp. Gosh. I've gone back and forth on this so often. And I, I really want to see Titus Howard and Larry Tunsil at tackle together. I, I think another year together I think is good. I think Marcus has got to be on this offensive line. I've said this I don't know how many times. About the only things that we know is all things considered, no deals or trades or any of that made. Larry Tunsil is your left tackle, and that's about all really I can guarantee. I would I would lean heavily towards Justin Britt. If Justin Britt's healthy, he's the center. Those two things I feel pretty confident about. Everything else, you could you could convince me of, hey, you're going to put Titus at guard, Cannon at tackle, and we're going to play Lane Taylor at the other guard. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I just have a feeling that Titus Howard, Laramie Tunsil, Justin Britt, those three guys are going to be on this starting offensive line. I think Cannon – feel really good about him being the fourth guy. Not totally sure who the fifth guy is. I feel like those four are there. If they are, then Cannon's the guard, I think, and it makes probably a little bit more sense. Now, if you want to go to this game, as far as salary goes, there, you know, Titus is coming up on his, his what, what's this year for him? 19, 20, 21, this is third year. Yeah. So he's coming up on a year in which, man, he plays tackle and he plays extremely well. Man, he's going to make a boatload of money. But do you save some money by moving him over to guard? I don't know. And I don't know whether that's, I don't know whether that's a thought or not. Um, I just want the five that are up front to be able to work together and play well. But my gut has said, even when the trade was made, Titus stays at tackle, Cannon goes into guard, they'll figure out. How they'll, they'll figure that out. I know people say, well, great. Katie wasn't great as a guard. Yeah, when he was younger in his career. So he's learned, he's learned a lot since then. Plus, I think Cannon, 335 pounds, I think he's a shade heavier than Titus. I think he can handle playing guard maybe a little bit better. I don't – man, I don't – that's such a tough one. I just think guard is the best way to go. Let Titus stay at right tackle. Let Laramie Tunsil stay at left tackle. Slot. Marcus Cannon in there at right guard, right next to Titus in between Britt, and then figure out who your left guard is. I, I think that's probably the way it'll go. That's you know, that's well, I'm not betting any money on it. I'm not going to Vegas like we talked about earlier. I'm not going right. to bet any money on it. I know that for a fact. You look at the tackle situation. You have Rod Johnson still. You have Charlie Heck right. looked pretty good in spots last right. year, right? And then everybody else we just mentioned, because if you go with Howard, you have Cannon. If you go with Cannon, you have Howard at, on the right yeah. side. And on the left side, you have Laramie, and you can adjust there whichever way you want, probably Johnson. So yeah. you do have some options there. You do have a little bit of depth. Knock wood, knock everything you can knock right now. <laughs> All right, more likely to happen here now. More likely to happen. Let's go with more likely to emerge from perceived deep position on the depth chart sort of forgotten men here from the rookie class of 2020 more likely to emerge john reed 
or Isaiah Coulter, because both are in situations where there are some dudes yeah. ahead of them. All right. Let's just yep. be honest here. And they're going to have to come out of the basement to make the impression that they want. So who's more likely to do it, Johnny? I think you're right. These two are very, very similar in that yep. way. I think given what each one, if just kind of look at, first of all, John Reed, I think is a little bit more specialized. I think Coulter, I think he's an outside guy. I guess he could go inside a little bit if you need him to, but he's an outside guy. John Reed's an inside corner, and I think that's what he is. So who's he in competition with? Desmond King, Vernon Hargraves. He's got more competition because you've got to be good at that inside corner position. But I think John Reed can play that position. I think he is as he's he's made to play that inside spot. I think he would have played it a little bit more, um, had said some things, he stayed a little bit healthier in camp, et cetera. I think Reed's yeah. probably got a little bit better chance because to me, the defensive backs are still, that group is maybe not quite where we'd want it to be. Whereas receivers, I feel like there's a pretty decent depth chart there at receiver. It is going to be very, very difficult for Isaiah Coulter Drafted to be the guy that I think the previous staff thought Nico Collins could be of this current staff. I think okay. the current staff looked at it and said, okay, look, Nico Collins can be that guy that we've wanted. And he's probably going to get, I don't know, he's probably going to get first opportunity mm-hmm. coached by, coached by some coaches on this staff, recruited by coaches on this staff, and then scouted and then drafted by. Uh, by the Texans to come in and be that guy that takes a top off defense and does the different things that Isaiah can do. I will not rule out Isaiah Coulter though. Just watching him in OTAs, man, there's something there. There's athleticism. There's a little bit of size. I think his confidence gets in the way or lack thereof. His lack of confidence gets in the way sometimes, but man, he can make some plays. Every now and again, he'll make a catch and you go, Whoa, is that Coulter? You're like, yeah, that's Coulter. He can do it. But I still think John Reed given What's in the secondary right now, I think John Reed would have a chance to kind of step forward just a a hair before Isaiah Coulter. More likely to happen. More likely to have a bigger impact in the secondary, even though they're different role-wise. Terrence Mitchell or Desmond King? More likely to have a bigger impact this year. I don't know if we say enough about these guys, Johnny, what they can do back there and the roles that they can play because – Look, they've done some things in the past. Mitchell's a yep. turnover causer. And yeah. obviously Desmond King has done some things, been an all pro. So what do you think? I think it's Terrence Mitchell. I think Terrence is going to end up starting at that one spot opposite Bradley Roby. And just going back and watching Terrence, I, I remember when he was here a few years ago and I thought he was going to make the team then. Mm-hmm. But I think this system actually might fit Terrence a little bit better. It's more than likely it's going to be a little bit more zone-based than man-based. I still think Terrence can play man, but I think Terrence is pretty smart. Just going back in the, the playoff game was a great indication of that. I think I did a football one, no, a I did a telestrator on Terrence Mitchell against the Steelers. And there are a couple of times where he's played a, he's playing a rolled up corner to cover two, and he's just kind of reading things happen. And then he's kind of bait and bent into making throws, and he knocks away a throw that should really not be knocked down, but because he saw it, read it, broke on it, 
showed all those physical skills to get there. He ends up making a play on it. And it should have been a five-yard completion. He knocks it away for an incompletion, set up third and seven. The Browns got off the field after a stop. So I think Terrence Mitchell is going to start opposite Bradley Roby. That's my gut. That, that's no inside information. That's my gut. I think Terrence Mitchell starts. I do think Desmond King and John Reed on the inside are going to be the two guys battling for the inside job. I think Desmond King's going to find a way with Vernon. But I think those two are going to be guys that I would I would keep an eye on. I think those two guys inside, to me, I I would if I were making the choice, I think they would probably go one two ahead of Vernon. But that's going to play itself out in training camp. But I think Terrence Mitchell is going to start that one corner, and I think Reed and King are going to battle it out for that job inside. They got a little nickel depth. They don't have much yeah. depth on the outside, so we'll see yes. how that plays out in camp. That's going to be a subject that uh, we go over a lot when we get to our Texas training camp live shows. All right, next up, I've got one more for you regarding the tight end position and anything else we need to clean up around the National Football League. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Great to have you listening on a 4th of July weekend. All right, we are doing more likely to happen at Johnny. I wanted to get this one out of the way, and I've thrown this one at you in a different kind of way, but the tight end position you know, if you say more likely to have the most catches, it's going to be Jordan Akins. He's going to win that for now anyway. But yes. who's more likely to be second, Johnny? Who's going to be second in Ooh. receptions? Because you do have some options here. You have the rookie, Brevin Jordan, right? You have Waring. Yeah. Does he come out of nowhere? And all of a sudden, it's not exactly nowhere, but you know what I'm saying. And all of a sudden, yeah. emerge as that guy, Pharaoh Brown, because he did have some playmaking moments last year. But it, you know, I think it's got to be Jordan based on where and how and what you did to get him on draft weekend. But maybe not. What are you thinking? I could make a case. And when other people make a case for, hey, I, like you said, it could be Brevin Jordan. It could be Farrah Brown. It could be Kyle Waring. Who, who's it going to? I mean, I could hear a case actually for all, all three guys and say, yeah, I, I yeah, I could see any of those three guys doing it. My gut tells me that it, this is going to sound weird. It won't be Kahale Waring because Kahale Waring will either lead the tight ends in nearly every category, or he's going to fall to the back of the pack and, and it'll be an unfortunate miss. I don't think there's any in between. I think he is the guy that catches 60, 65 passes and he takes that Fedorowitz like jump. Or he just kind of lags behind. He just can't. It just it doesn't happen. That makes me think Farrell Brown is that second guy. Is he's going to be the guy. Because they use him in a number of different ways. And especially they use him in the run game. Well, off the run game comes play action. He's out on the field. He's kind of their H-back, fullback sort of guy. I think Farrell Brown ends up being used a pretty decent amount. And the more I've thought about it, DP did an interview, and I played it, I think, earlier this week. The more I got to thinking about Farrah Brown, I'm, this guy's a really good athlete, extremely athletic, really good hands, big, strong. I mean, he's everything you want. He just had to overcome some pretty significant injuries. I think it really could be Farrah Brown. I would be shocked if he gets to number one, but I could see Farrah Brown catching 30 to 35 passes as a tight end for sure. That would more than likely put him number two. Yeah, and look, the, the way he plays, the fact that he can do everything, F, Y, H, whatever yes, letter you want to pick for a tight end, he can do all of it. That bodes well for his ability to be on the field. You Look, you know they're going to run the ball a ton if they possibly can, and I think they will be able to. And what you can do off of that 
is huge, and he'll be a big part of that. So I, I yep. like what he could do for this team. And Aikens as well. Look, Aikens is a tremendous athlete. It wasn't always so pretty last year, but you saw some good moments in his career so far. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, other things going on around the league. You know, it's funny because being around the country, traveling, whatever, it's uh, interesting to get people's perspective on what is going on around the NFL. Never mind the Houston Texans. What is going on around the NFL? And I think that there are some teams that are getting way too much love. And this is probably another subject for another day. And some teams that aren't getting um, enough love at all. Right. Like yeah. I think the Tennessee Titans are getting their share of love. You know, they're, oh, they yeah. are getting, they are getting a lot of respect. A lot of people think that this is a team that's, that's good to go. Uh, Julio Jones as an addition is phenomenal for them. Uh, but then, you know, you look at some teams that might be getting too much love. I don't think the Kansas City Chiefs are getting too much love. I think they're an outstanding team. and They're going to continue to be so until they start losing some of the pieces that they have. You know, why why would you knock them off their perch? I like yeah. the Bills, too. I think the Browns have a ton of talent, Johnny, but there's something about them. Maybe it's just the brown uniform that <laughs> just has me thinking that it might not work out as well as people think. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. What do you think? What are you hearing? Well, as far as the Browns go, I think Andrew Barry as GM and executive vice president and Kevin Stefanski as head coach is a much better combination than what they had prior to. So I think they'll be able to handle some of the, the, the ups and downs and the pressure a little bit better than they could a couple of years ago. I think Baker, having gone through the ringer, will put the Browns in pretty good stead. Now, if you're relying on Clowney to be the Clowney of 15 or 16 and 17, I don't know if you can do that. But what's going to be interesting for them is how does OBJ get baked back into this offense? And no pun intended there, because Baker Mayfield has to learn how to deal with that. But that was a pretty interesting thought process. I think you're right. I think the Titans are getting the, the now with Julio, they're getting the requisite amount of love. So, you know, rock on. The, the team in the AFC that probably is not getting, I don't know, getting the love that maybe they should is the other team in the AFC South, and that's the Colts. I don't think that teams are talking about the Colts and, because you look at the Colts and it's a pretty complete roster. Yeah, except but, for one position where right. people have doubt. And, and look, exactly. it could all work out swimmingly for them. Right. I mean, Wentz could be outstanding. It could be the old Wentz, stay healthy, and oh, my gosh, look what happened. It could be the Tannehill yep. to Tennessee kind of thing, or even better than that. But it could also be he got hurt again. They can't throw it as well as they want. They've got issues. Anyway, that's all the show time we have for today. Showtime. It's over, but we'll be back Monday, Johnny. Looking forward to it. Have a safe and happy 4th of July, my friend. You as well, Mark. We'll see you on Monday. And all of our listeners, thanks so much for being a part of the mix. And go to HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app to catch up on everything related to your Texans. Have a great weekend. Happy 4th. Go Texans.